All right. You know, I want to clarify that Consecrate is not a place to just come and meet girlfriends. Um, It's something that people are wondering, what in the world is this thing? It's uh, at the beginning of the year, we get together for a week, and Consecrate just means to set apart. And we set apart that week uh, to pray to the Lord and to dedicate the year, the upcoming year, to the one who owns the year. And so we come together and we pray. We don't, it's not a mixer. But it's a great way to meet people, uh, to come and pray together. And so I really invite you uh, to come out. You know, I see a bunch of people in the back who can't find seats. So if you see seats uh, in between, can you guys just squeeze in um, so that people can uh, come and find a seat in the sanctuary? Happy New Year to all of you. Um, God's faithfulness has... It's been such a great year uh, in 2022, if you were able to see how faithful he was, and now he's starting his new faithfulness at the beginning of this year. And last night, we had such a wonderful night of worship um, together as we remembered all the good deeds of our Lord. And as we start the new year, we're starting also a new sermon series in the Psalms. And so we're going to be in the Psalms for the next three months together, and we're calling this series um, Reconnecting with God reconnecting with God. I love the Psalms. And I know that the Psalms, it's sometimes a little bit love and hate, love or hate, depending on who you are. Um, But for me, I love the Psalms because the Psalms have helped me so much, especially in my hardest, darkest times in my life. The Psalms have given me words to reconnect with God. And so this uh, year, we're going to start off the year by reconnecting with the Lord through the Psalms. And so we'll talk about that today. But it's also the time of year when we come up with our goals. And I've realized that a lot of people are transitioning away from the word resolutions and thinking more about goals, the goals um, of this life and this year. And you might have health goals like Scott, and you might have financial goals and career goals, family goals. And that's great. Um, I have goals myself. But I want to ask you a question that I ask myself, and it's this question, what is the goal of your goals? Have you ever thought about that? What is the goal of your goals? Really interesting thing to think about because our goals are actually just intermediaries to get us to some place. What is the goal of your goals? Um, When we look at the scriptures, we see that actually all of us, whether we know it or not, have a goal for our goals. And the goal that we all have is kind of similar because of the way that God made us. Although you might not have words for what the goal of your goals are, the scriptures will tell us that we're all journeying and trying to get to one place. And the place that we're all trying to get to is this place of blessedness, to be blessed And that's such a big word, uh, but we're all fighting for it, working for it. And you could say that blessedness is this place where we have fulfillment in our lives. We have joy in our lives, balance, peace, connection with people, all through the favor of God. And so we're all seeking this kind of blessedness in our lives. And whether you know it or not, all your goals are actually kind of moving you to this place of blessedness. Now, whether you're going to accomplish your goals and whether the goals that you have set are going to actually get you there is another story. But as we get into the Psalms and we begin with Psalm 1, Psalm 1 tells us that there is a path to blessedness, that there actually is a path to this blessedness, and it begins to teach us about this. It gives us this picture of a tree that's planted in streams of water. 
And it's this picture of the blessedness that we're trying to get through our goals, the goal of our goals, right? This place of blessedness. And so if you have your Bibles, let's open up to Psalm 1. Psalm 1, I'm going to read the entirety of Psalm 1, which is just six verses. If you don't have your Bible, we have it up on the screen for you. But here's Psalm 1, the opening of this book of Psalms that we'll be in for the next three months. Psalm 1-1 says this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This is the word of the Lord. Um, Psalm 1 tells us that there is a path to this blessedness. Um, And look, the the reality of the situation is that at the end of this year, you're going to be one year older. You're going to have more gray hairs than you did at the beginning of the year. um, And you can't stop that. But the question is, but at the end of the year, are you going to be any closer to blessedness? Are you going to be any closer to blessedness? Psalm 1 tells us that there is a path to get there if we give heed to what the Psalms tell us. So let's all bow our heads and let's ask the Lord to bless our time together. Lord, Father, as we come to you and we all want this, Father, we pray that you would now give us your wisdom and spirit. I pray that in the next three months, as we spend time in the Psalms, that you would give us all of the spiritual receptors that we need in our hearts to soak up and absorb all that you have for us in the Psalms. Father, we want it desperately. And so, Father, we bow our heads like this, humbled before you, saying, Spirit of the living God, Speak to us, help us with all the things that we can't do for ourselves. Help us to divide rightly the word of God together. Bless our time in your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. What I wanna do is I wanna introduce you to the book of Psalms, and then I wanna talk to you a little bit about this path of blessedness that's in Psalm 1. Um, The book of Psalms is actually the songbook for the house of Israel. In fact, the word Psalms is just the Greek translation of the Hebrew word songs. So Psalms is just songs, right? Uh, The Psalms are written all in the form of poetry because songs are poetry. And for some of you, you like that. And for some of you, you don't like that at all. And you have a really hard time understanding the Psalms because you're used to narrative or history or just straight up teaching. And poetry is really hard for some people. But for the next three months, we're going to learn together how to absorb the Psalms together. The Psalms were the songbook that the House of Israel sang together in worship, just like we do but it was especially sung during the big events of the year, the big religious festivals of the year. You may have noticed that sometimes above a psalm, it'll say like the psalm of ascents. And what that means is as they go up to Jerusalem for their festivals, they would sing these psalms, just like we just had Christmas. And there are songs that we love to sing during Christmas. Uh, Hark the herald angels sing, silent night, holy night. All of these songs that we sing were kind of like the psalms that they sang at their festivals. They were the special songs that they sang in order to connect to God during those important times throughout the year. 
And it's so important, these songs, because I don't know about you, but there are certain songs that remind me when I hear them about certain moments in my life, uh, certain moments, especially songs like It Is Well, It Is Well With My Soul, or Before the Throne of God Above. For me, these hymns remind me of the hardest times of my life and how the Lord brought me through those times. The Psalms for the house of Israel was like that. It was to remind them of God's faithfulness in the past, to give them strength for what they were going through in the present, and to proclaim God's power for the future. And the Psalms were this really treasured source of strength for the house of Israel, and they used it to reconnect with God over and over again. And I think that that's what's kind of special about the Psalms because a lot of the other parts of the Bible are in like narrative form or in letter form or in history form. But the Psalms are always written as a dialogue. It takes us inside of that intimate relationship between a person and God. And it puts us in that conversation through their prayers and dialogue and praises. And through that, actually, we learn how to manage our relationship with God. And that's what I love about the Psalms is you get into that intimate, very personal space between a person and God, and you get the full range of human emotion, right? In the Psalms, you get sometimes the most exuberant, you know, expressions of joy. But you also get sometimes really uncomfortable moments of frustration in the Psalms. And sometimes I would read a Psalm and think, man, can you say that to God? Is that allowed to say something like that to him? You get this wide range of human emotions, and it teaches us about how we are to connect with God in our lives. And that's what I love about Psalms, right? The grit and honesty that's inside of these Psalms. And I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, that if you haven't familiarized yourself with these Psalms, if you get into these things, you will find where you are in your life. Right? Because of this wide range of relationship and frustration and joy and emotion, whatever you're going through, you will always be able to find yourself in these psalms. And they will give us words to connect to our God again. It's so important for some of you. Because some of you at the beginning of this year haven't really connected with God in a really long time. You haven't been in intimate relationship with the Lord in a really long time. And you don't even know how to start again to get back into relationship with him. The Psalms, brothers and sisters, are words given to you so that you can do that again. I want to thank you guys, Mosaic, um, <clears throat> because if you haven't been here in a while or if you're new, um, I shared a couple of weeks ago that I have a strained relationship with my dad. I have a difficult, um, you know, I've had a difficult 10 years with my father. And I shared with Mosaic that I was having um, this meeting with him, and I was really nervous, and I really appreciate all of your prayers, the many of you who did pray for me and my father, because when I showed up to the meeting, I was shocked at how uh, receptive he was. Uh, so I came and unprompted my dad. He apologized for some things in the past, for some ways that he fell short as my dad. And I was surprised because I didn't think that it was going to be like that, especially when I didn't ask him to apologize. And then after he apologized, I apologized. And it was such a healing moment 
for us. Um, it was like a true miracle because those of you who have family issues, and that's most of you, you know that family issues, it's like you need a miracle for family stuff, right? It was one of the miracles for me. And I just want to thank you, Mosaic, because you changed, it's not exaggeration to say that you changed my life through your prayers, because you changed my relationship with my dad through your prayers. So thank you for that. But then after, my dad, he's like recommitting to establishing a relationship with me. And this is new. So now he's calling me, he's texting me, he's checking in with me. He's never done that before, really. And to be honest, it's super awkward because I don't know what to say to him. And I don't really have that kind of relationship with my dad. I haven't ever had that kind of relationship with my dad, but now he wants that relationship with me. And um, it's, I'm trying to figure it out. Uh, I'm trying to respond. I'm trying to build this relationship with him. But to be honest, I don't really have words to say to him because we haven't had this in a while. Some of you at the beginning of this year are exactly right there with your relationship with God. He wants to connect with you, but you don't know how to connect with him. You don't have words because you have been far from him for a really long time, and you don't know how even to get started. I want to tell you that the book of Psalms is a treasure for you because the book of Psalms gives you words that you don't have to reconnect with your father that you have been far from. And even when you don't know what to say, the book of Psalms will help you to show you how a relationship with the Father goes. And through the book of Psalms, you can learn how to reconnect with your Father again. That's my deep prayer for Mosaic, that for those of you who have been far from him, that at the beginning of this year, that you will learn how to reconnect with him, come back into relationship with him. And today we begin with Psalm 1, which is an introduction to the entire book actually. And so if you would look at verse 1 and 2 again, we're going to get into this psalm and learn how to reconnect with our Father. This is Psalm 1. Let me read the first two verses again. This is what it says. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. The psalmist begins and opens up the, the book of Psalms by delineating the entire world into two categories. And it's not rich and poor, it's not men and women, it's not young and old, but he splits up the whole world into two categories, blessed and wicked. And it's kind of strange in biblical terms because that's not the normal categories that you see in scripture. In the Old Testament, what do you see? You see wicked and righteous. The righteous live in this way. The wicked live in this way. But the, the Psalm 1, it, it starts off by saying, the blessed and the wicked. Now, why is that? I think it's genius. Let me show you. You see, blessed is different than righteous. Because righteous is talking about the inner characteristics of somebody who's connected with God. But blessed is talking about the life experience of someone who lives with God. It's talking about the benefits of being righteous the actual life benefits of living with God. And here's why I think that that's genius. It's January 1st, and some of you really want to reconnect with God, and you have this commitment with him. And so right now, maybe your desire to be with God and to be righteous and to be close to him is like at an all-time high. But what about in July? 
right? Your desire to be righteous and to be close to God might be here, down here. But your desire to be blessed will still be up here. You see, we all want to be blessed. We all want the blessed life, right? We all want the blessed life. That's why you make goals, right? No matter where you are in life, at what time, you want to be blessed. Your desire to be righteous might go up and down. I think it's genius that the book opens up by saying the blessed person knows this path. This is the path to blessedness, and you all want blessedness. The Psalms start off by saying, don't you want peace and joy and fulfillment? Don't you want balance in your life? Don't you want sturdiness in your heart? The path of the righteous will take you to blessedness. You see, it's telling us how to get to the place where all our goals are supposed to take us. This is the path to blessedness. Now, on the other hand, you have the wicked path. Here are the wicked in Psalm 1. And, you know, I don't know how you would describe the wicked, but it's actually very simple in Scripture who the wicked are. The wicked are, according to the Psalms, those who are led by their own desires. Those who completely um, disregard God and just go in their own way. Um, that is the path of the wicked. In fact, in the entire Bible, I would say that the book of Judges in the Old Testament is Israel at its lowest point. At its very, very lowest point. There are some atrocious things that you read about in the book of Judges. Terrible things that you wouldn't even believe. Because that's Israel at its lowest, worst point. And there's a refrain in the book of Judges that explains how in the world they got to that place. What's going on in their heart and their lives that took them to that awful place. And this is the refrain. It says over and over again, they did what was right in their own eyes. That's how they got there. They determined their own standards. They fixed their own principles. And they got there because they just did what was right in their own eyes. And that's how they got to that awful, miserable place. And it talks about the experience of someone who is there. Now, if you were to ask me, did the people who lived in the time of the judges go to hell? I don't know. It doesn't say. It doesn't say. That's not the focus. The focus of the Old Testament is always incredibly uh, practical. And so I don't know if they went to heaven or hell. But what I do know is that by living that way, they experienced deep lostness and emptiness in their life. Even the people who got exactly what their goals were trying to get them. They experienced deep lostness in their lives. Because, it says, they did what was right in their own eyes. In other words, they did what was the delight of their eyes, and the delight of their eyes was different. If you think about that word eyes, it's weird because it's not like a moral thing, right? Did what was right in their own eyes. It means that they did what was attractive to them. And it reminds us of Eve, who looked at the fruit of the tree, the knowledge of good and evil, and didn't just see it, but she saw that it was delightful. It was something that delighted her. The disobedience before God gave her delight. And that's kind of like what it's saying about the people of Judges, that they looked at their way of living life and they saw that it was delightful. It was something that they wanted so badly that they were willing to cut corners around God and ignore his path to blessedness so they could get the delight of their hearts. So I want to ask you at the head of this year, what are those things for you that you want so badly that you are willing to cut spiritual corners, to disregard God, to get that thing, 
in your life. You know, we all have these things that instead of going down God's path of blessedness, we think that we have our own way of getting to blessedness. Is it that you hate your job so much that you're willing to do anything to change it? That you want to get married so badly that you're willing to completely disregard what God has said about marriage just to get married? I don't know what your thing is, but there are things in our lives that we delight in so much that we're willing to endure the consequences of avoiding God and going in our own way. Psalm 1 says, if you do that, you are forfeiting your blessedness. It seems like you could forge your own way to blessedness. But if you do that, you're actually forfeiting everything that God has for you. They did what was right in their own eyes. That's what it means to be wicked. Now, on the other hand, you have the blessed. And what's interesting about the description of the blessed people is that there's only, really only one variable, only one description, uh, because everything else is negation, right? The blessed do not do this. They don't sit in the seat of scoffers. They don't walk in the way of sinners, but they do one thing. And what's that one thing? He delights in the law of the Lord, right? Read verse two with me. It says this, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law, he meditates day and night. That's the one thing it says that the blessed people do. The people who actually end up on the path to blessedness, what they do is they delight in the law of the Lord. And when you hear the law of the Lord, it's not talking about uh, the parts of the Bible that are commanding you to do things. It's talking about the entire way that God has commanded us to live. His principles of the kingdom, his approach to life. The person who is blessed sees that and actually delights in it delights in the way that God has presented our reality, looks at God's word and says, this is much more true. This is more beautiful than anything I could have come up with. God's way is more delightful than my way. That's the path, he says, of blessedness. Now, the way you get that is through the word of God, right? By looking at the word of God. Read verse three with me. This is what happens when someone is connected to the word of God like this and believes in it and delights in it. Verse 3 says, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. In all he does, he prospers. This is what happens when someone actually delights in the law of the Lord over the delight of your own eyes. Uh, you become like a tree planted in streams of water. I actually, during COVID went on a hike with my family because uh, we just needed to get out of the house. And we went up to, I think, Mawa during the fall. And I actually saw a tree that was planted by streams of water. It was so cool. And I took a picture of it to show you, but I couldn't find it. <laughs> I looked forever for this picture and I couldn't find it. I don't know why. I looked all through all my Google photos. And I was like, where is this thing? This is the moment I took the picture for. And I couldn't find it. But it was planted by a freshwater stream. And the roots were barely touching the water, but the soil was just soaked all the time because of the water. And even though it was the fall and all the other leaves were kind of dried out, this tree was a little bit different. Leaves were fresh. What's the difference? What is it saying, the, the tree planted in streams of water? How do all the other trees get watered? By rain. By the chance of rain. By the sheer chance that it might rain. And yet here's this one tree 
that's planted by streams of water that does not leave its blessedness up to chance, but is constantly filled by the water of the word. I have no idea what your 2023 is going to look like. I don't know if there's going to be a new COVID. I don't know if there's going to be a recession. I don't know if you're going to experience disease in your family. I have no idea. Neither do you. But I have a question for you. Are you going to leave your blessedness up to chance? Are you going to leave your blessedness up to chance that maybe you're going to have a good year? That good things are going to happen to you? Is that your hope? I remember at the end of 2020, 2020 when um, on, on um, all of the, the social media sites, people were saying, uh, good riddance, 2020. Because it was such a difficult year. You're going to leave your blessedness up to chance that this year good things will happen to you? You're like every other tree then. Leaving your blessedness up to the chance that you're going to lose 15 pounds this year. To the chance that you're going to get a new job. Up to chance that you're going to find that special someone or your kid's going to get into college. The blessed person does not leave his blessedness up to chance. What the blessed person does is he plants himself by streams of water and knows that true blessedness comes through the word of God, that only the word of God is deep enough, fulfilling enough, empowering enough to give you blessedness when you have no idea how the year is going to turn out. He's like a man, a tree planted by streams of water. You have to make a plan, brothers and sisters, at the beginning of this year, to get into the word of God consistently. If you look at the word here, it says that he is like a tree planted by streams of water. Now, how do most trees in the wild, wild get planted? Seeds get blown by the wind and it lands into the soil. But the word planted here says that this was not a tree that grew from a seed that landed near the stream. The word planted here, it means that someone intentionally uprooted a tree and put it right here by streams of water intentionally because the water was going to nourish this tree in and out of season. It didn't happen by accident. Intentionally planted by streams of water. You cannot leave your blessedness up to chance. You must plant yourself by the word, because only the word is deep enough to fill you to this level. Some people have told me that this year they have this goal to read 10 or 20 books this year. Actually, one person told me that they have this goal to read 30 books this year. Um, and that's great. You know, there's a lot to learn from these books. But take it from somebody who reads a lot of books. There's no book that even comes close to touching the word of God. And I know that's like a very pastory thing to say, but it's true. I've, I've tried to find depth like the word of God. Um, and there are glimmers of it in amazing books. There's a lot of bad books out there too. There's glimmers of it in these good books, but no book has the depth. You know, when you read the Bible with the spirit of God, it's almost like the Bible was written knowing who you are. Does that make sense? It, it, it's almost like the word of God is so personal that it, it reaches into your soul and reconstructs you as you're reading it. There's no book that does that. 
There's no book that is able to do what the Bible is able to do. And that's why it says that you can delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on it day and night. You know, there are very few books that are that deep that you can meditate on it day and night. And there are even fewer books that are actually so delightful that you would want to meditate on it day and night. And there are even fewer books that are delightful and so helpful that you should spend the time meditating on it day and night. And you have the Word of God. If you plant yourself by it, it's able to water you in a way that is unlike anything else. If you're still not convinced, here's the alternative. It says in verse 4, look at verse 4 with me. The wicked, it just talked about the tree that was planted by streams of water, right? Here's the alternative, verse 4. The wicked are not so, but they're like chaff that the wind drives away. What it says is the people who ignore the watering of the word of God and decide to live by their own way, they become light, inconsequential. They have no substance. They're superficial. They're not watered by depth. And because they're not watered by depth, they end up being these kind of light, superficial people. Let me give you an example of this, okay? If in 2023, the next 12 months, the bulk of what you consume into your eyes is social media, what's going to happen to you? And know it or not, many of you, the bulk of what you take into your eyes is social media. And you don't even mean to in a lot of ways. But what's going to happen to you if you don't have a plan to be by streams of water? You're going to become shallow because social media is about appearances. You will become resentful because a lot of social media is about comparison. And you'll become ignorant because social media lacks depth. That's what's going to happen if you water yourself with things that are just showing up on your phone. It says, the blessed man is planted very intentionally by streams of water. And if you don't have intentionality, I promise you, the algorithms that are on your phone meant to take you away, right, from real thought, they will overrun you. These algorithms are so precise, so finely tuned. They're listening to you all the time. And they're so powerful. That if you give yourself over to just passivity this year in what you consume into your eyes and ears, it will overrun you. If Psalm 1 was true back in the time when it was written, how much more is it true in 2023? That if you don't, don't make a decision to plant yourself by streams of water at the head of this year, what will happen to you? You'll get overrun by these powerful algorithms that are all around your life. And you will become like chaff, whether you know it or not. Inconsequential, without substance, momentary and light. But this is what the word of God says. But the blessed man knows, the blessed woman knows that true blessedness is when they plant themselves in the word of God. And they are watered by the depth of God's word. And you learn to delight in it this year. My suggestion is do it in community. Do it in community because I know it's January 1st and you all feel good about yourselves, but how long is your willpower going to last, right? You got to get into community and do it. You have to do it together because read it again. Read verse um, verse 5 with me. 
This is one thing that I want you to see. It says in verse 5, Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Right? What you see is that the blessed man is primarily you know, uh, someone who is in the word of God, but it also talks about the blessed man as someone who turns away from the wicked community. But he doesn't just turn away from the wicked community and just kind of walk down the path of righteousness himself. He is in the community of the righteous. Right? How long can you do it by yourself? How many of you tried right, throughout the years to try to do righteousness on your own? You have to do it in community. And we have great ways for you to do that. You just heard that community groups are starting up soon. Get in it. I know it's not easy to get into community groups, but we're making more community groups. Get into it at all costs. We have Consecrate coming up next week. Come and do it in community. Get into discipleship at all costs. Look, you're not doing yourself any favors. You're not doing yourself any favors if you don't make plans to be watered in the word in community. At the end of this year, you're going to be one year older. You're going to have more gray hairs. I don't know if you're going to lose 15 pounds. You might add 15 pounds. I don't know where you're going to be, but I know that you're going to be one year older. And we're going to be right back here at the beginning of 2024. But are you going to be any closer to blessedness? Or will you be more light, momentary, superficial? Because that's what you ate this year. That's what you were watered by this year. Psalm 1 tells us it doesn't have to be like that. You can be right back here with us next year and have greater depth, experiencing more blessedness, actually living into what God has for you if you would water yourself by the wisdom of God's word if you would be nourished by the depths of scripture, if you fill yourself with the joy of the spirit, but you need to intentionally plant yourself there. And as you do, and we come back here next year, I really pray that you will see you are closer to blessedness. And it wasn't just because of your goals, but it was because the water of the word giving you the blessedness that you were always seeking. And if we plant ourselves here, I think next year we'll have a lot to celebrate. Let's go to him in prayer before we come to the communion.